I don't know if you would call them reliable per se, but they're at least doing enough to have won six games in a row. And that could get extended tonight at 7 o'clock or it could get trimmed up tonight at 7 o'clock in what is the final week of this ridiculous setup where the Virginia men's basketball team has a home game on a weeknight. Oh, but it's a whiteout. Big Monday. Hold your breath here. And a weekend game on the road. But as ridiculous as the scheduling has been, and more on that. I'd rather have a home game on a Monday compared to a Saturday. Or a road game on a Saturday compared to a Monday because oh, I mean, flow of the week and stuff. Well, no, I mean, look, I'd rather have... If you're talking about road games, Saturday is the worst day because that's when the opposing fan bases have a chance to uh, party up and celebrate a little bit longer. That's and true. That's fair. Student turnout. That's a good point. And this is not football tailgating, obviously, but many venues now serve adult beverages, so you do have that component. So, to their ever-loving credit, this past Saturday was by no means one. That will go down as a resume-defining Saturday because by virtue of the general concept of resumes, there is a, an entire body of work that goes into it. But don't we have a pretty good feel right now about where Virginia and Virginia Tech happen to be at this juncture of the season, early February? Because this past week was one where for Virginia Tech, they entered the week with a 5 and 4 record in the ACC. And right now they are just 5 and 6. But it feels like missed opportunities. As you heard this past Saturday, this is a good but not great Duke basketball team, which just so happened to have their best shooting night of the year in the ACC that is in Blacksburg. And once again, befuddling the Hokies in the second half of a game. And for Virginia Tech, unfortunately, that trend continued at Miami with another fall-from-ahead defeat. And Mike Young was rather blunt when assessing it today, with the benefit of hindsight, of course, that this team has got to be better in the second half of games. Our second halves have got to be better. We go in nine at the break on uh, on Saturday. I thought we played well. Um Miami's good wherever, uh, really good uh, at uh, at home. Going up nine at the break. And sure, Miami, nine of 26 shooting in the first half. You would think they would be a little bit more effective than that in the second half. But the Canes shot almost 56% from the floor in the second half. I mean, the defense was non-existent. And I get it, Virginia Tech... They shot about 50% the entire game, including right at that mark in the second half. But the defense went away when it mattered most, once again, for Virginia Tech. And in particular, guard play was an issue. Nigel Pack had a big second half. Bensley Joseph hit a couple of threes for Miami. Wuga Poplar, not spectacular, but enough. And Matthew Cleveland, yes, one of the better transfers that this can buy you. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Chipped in as well. But for Virginia Tech, the defense just wasn't good enough. And I think you can point to guard play defense, but it's equally as puzzling how bad they were around the rim. And Mike Young mentioned that too. Our ball handling, especially in the second half, uh, has got to uh, has got to improve. Uh, when we've rebounded uh, well, uh, you know, in league play uh, through eleven games, um, 
the rebounding margin is two. Um, we've got to uh, do a better job with our guards uh, and, um, you know, finishing games, Mark, finishing games. Um, so just a daily emphasis and uh, hanging in there with it. We have the right intentions. Uh, we've got to, you know, we got to execute it when, uh, when the lights are on. So the right intentions is great, but ultimately this is a Virginia Tech team that's been defined based on how poorly they've played in the second half. And their last two games, which were winnable opportunities for them, Duke probably more challenging than Miami, surely, because this is a Blue Devil team that, like always, they are a top 10 talent team in the country. Not top 10 in terms of putting it all together, but they're a top 10 team in terms of talent. And when they do on any given night, they're a handful. And I get Miami has some of that, but this is a Miami team that's been wildly inconsistent. They've lost to, in disappointing fashion, a number of spots, but Louisville most notably. They got clobbered a couple of times on the road. This is not a Miami team that's been spectacular in any measure. And so for Virginia Tech to be 5-6 and six in the ACC, while it doesn't feel like it's a death sentence by any means, it's a missed opportunity for Virginia Tech And Trey, if I'm a Hokie fan, I don't believe you can feel anything more than like you really came out at the end of this past week. You're not in dire straits, but the Miami game is the one that's going to sting, I would think, more than the Duke game because you have a chance to go on the road, you're up by nine at halftime, and you get waxed in the second half, particularly the last ten minutes of the game. Yeah, I said their tournament hopes are on life alert. Like, they're they're on thin ice. I mean, you... You kind of, and this has kind of been the team, you know. Uh, this is, I would, it's, I think it's more likely they don't make the tournament than they do at this point just because of the lack of Q1 wins. And you could have got two this week. Um, I think the Duke one, they just shot the ball better. And that happens sometimes in basketball. And then la- the Miami one is the one where turnovers late, you know, the kind of the holes in this team came up. No backup point guard, um, you know. The Rasheed Rice stuff, like whether, you know, him not being on this team anymore is, you know, a really big hole. If at minimum he was going to be your backup point guard. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to see where the path because the ACC this year is below average and there's not a lot of Q1 wins left. No, they're really not. And it's amazing because the flip side of this is don't look now, but. As bad as the Virginia Cavaliers have been on the road, and they are not a good road team or we're not a good road team, they've won their last three Saturday games on the road. And because the ACC wants to make sure they have this problem ironed out, they will play on the road for a fourth time this coming Saturday at Don't Look Now, but they just got beat at Louisville, Florida State. But Virginia's in second place in the ACC. They're tied with Duke. Now they have to go on the road to Duke, never mind the fact that Virginia, you know, granted they've won three in a row on the road, but it's an obvious revenge spot for a Duke team that, wait for it, they actually have players back that will remember what happened last year, even though there are some newcomers on the roster. But Virginia will have North Carolina at home in about two and a half weeks, then three and a half weeks the next Saturday, they're on the road at Duke. But the Wahoos are now 8-3 and three in the ACC. And it's amazing because it's easy to be offended by the idea that they struggled on the road in the ACC. But 
Tony Bennett was pressed on that this past Saturday after a not exactly convincing win at Clemson, the way it ended with missed free throws and Clemson missing a shot at the horn that would have won the game. But ultimately, they are finding ways to win. Yeah, well, you better learn to be unoffendable, so I'm not offended by that comment. Of course not, and we weren't good in the early part of the year. Um, but when you're in this profession, you see a lot of things. Yes, I think we've matured. Um, we still faltered. Uh, we were wobbly, as I always said, down the stretch. You know, you got to make free throws um, and come up with some plays, but you at least have to put yourself in that position, and that's where we've matured and handled some runs. Matured as a team. They've handled runs. It's not pretty, even by the standards of Virginia basketball. But they put enough offense together when they needed to. Reese Beekman has found that. They've gotten more contributions out of Isaac McNeely. He is not J.J. Redick 2.0 the way Virginia fans would like him to be. But he's not a guy right now that's disappearing from stretches of games like he was in those blowout losses at Notre Dame NC State and Wake Forest. He's at least giving them something. And we've said this the entire time. But for Virginia, just getting guys to give you whatever they can on a given night, even as much as that may not be the best thing, and while they're obviously, to an extent, outside of Ryan Dunn and obviously Reese Speakman, they're away from being a finished product, at least getting something out of somebody and everybody chipping in. Again, it's not flashy, but it's enough to get you to the top half of the ACC where Virginia happens to be right now. And to their ever-loving credit, and they deserve it, but they're getting contributions that Tony Bennett has noticed. And IMAC, I didn't mention it, but his four-point play was huge. And, and, you know, and then a silly foul to put P.J. at the line at the end was big. But, but yeah, I think... IMAX, you know, he's a second year, but he's now at least in the latter part of his second year, and uh, we needed uh, the addition of Jordan Minor playing well and Tane giving us a lift and even Dante, who was hurt. So we almost have three guys that weren't playing in that stretch early on, and I think as every new team does, you settle in and doesn't guarantee success, but you get closer to your, your uh, identity. So look at a team that Virginia got destroyed by about two months ago. But they were on the road in my spot, Memphis, Tennessee, and they got clobbered there. Memphis added this guy, Naquan Tomlin, midseason player through the transfer portal. They lost four in a row and barely won against Wichita State over the weekend. That's a new addition from the transfer portal from a different school. That's a hard thing to bring in. Virginia's additions, though, McNeely is a sophomore that you've wanted to step up, and he's finally taking a step forward. But the other two pseudo-new additions to this team have been Dante Harris, who played very early in the year before suffering that peculiar foot injury that kept him out about six weeks, and Jordan Miner, whose role was largely nothing until, ironically, that NC State game in early January where the Wolfpack destroyed Virginia, but... He started to emerge, and he's grown his role ever since then. Those are guys that have been on the team. There's a sweat equity component. Other guys on the team see it. You're not as jealous. You're waiting for them to contribute so that when they get a chance, you're there, you're ready to adjust your role accordingly. But it's also freed up other guys. What Miner's addition does is Dunn can be more of a freelancer and move him around. 6'9", very athletic, 
projected top 15 pick in the NBA draft. I know Virginia fans want to think he's coming back. Maybe he does, but call me skeptical, if you will. Um, Normally, guys leave when they've got a chance to get that bag, so to speak. But Dunn's role fits more. Beekman has upped his game offensively in part because Dante Harris, and I get fans are griping at his shot selection at times, and yes, there is a head-scratching component to that. But you've got something out of that for him. You know what that does? The role is not as big for Beekman. You're asking these guys to still take on large roles at Virginia, but it's not unreasonably large when no one else is picking up the slack. And that's where Virginia is. Is it enough for them to overtake North Carolina in the ACC? I'd say doubtful, but never say never. They get the heels at home. Virginia has a trip to Duke. Outside of that, it's an extremely navigable schedule in the ACC. Everything else are games where they legitimately should be expected to win, including tonight against Miami in Charlottesville on a short week. And the road team on a short turnaround, I think, is always at a disadvantage compared to the home team. But... Here's the thing. I don't think Virginia is as equipped as North Carolina or even Duke to make a run in March in the NCAA tournament. The raw talent upside isn't there. But you're at a spot, at least if you're a Virginia fan, where you can go, wow, we've taken advantage of opportunities. We're playing ourselves comfortably, I would say now, into the NCAA tournament discussion. And on a weekend where it was Tech and UVA both having chances to make their cases, they did just in drastically different ways. Speaking of making the case... Are you trying to make the case to that significant other that you need a night out on the town? Then why not allow InsaneRadioDeals.com to help make that case a little bit easier? They don't need to know that when you went to InsaneRadioDeals.com, those Yamada Japanese gift card gift certificates or gift cards, Yamada Japanese barbecue gift cards, were a little bit less than what the $50 face value actually is. Maybe you're trying to make the case that it's time to go out on a jog together. And you want to enjoy it because you're in fully fit condition thanks to Cross White Athletic Club and those individual couple or family three-month memberships. Again, you can get started at InsaneRadioDeals.com and they don't need to know that you did all of that for a little bit less. And oh, by the way, file this in the back of your mind. I wouldn't, you know, Cross White, it's phenomenal, of course. I was there playing tennis yesterday, but, you know, it may not be the best Valentine's gift, but there are others right now at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Speaking of other gifts, Trey and I, I don't know if you call it the gift of analysis, but we'll give you the gift of our opinions on the weekend action and other thoughts right now in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Let's cut to the chase about Liberty men's basketball as we have done so much this year. They are not a team that can be begging for style points. They're begging for points more than the other team. But to their ever-loving credit, it was a clunky end on the road at UTEP this past Saturday. If you watch that game with the volume on, God bless you. And I try not to be critical of announcers, but that was a tough listen, especially late at night when you're trying to stay awake and you're not feeling well. And I was even more under the weather than I sound right now. 
But Liberty fought through that. Fought through missed free throws. Fought through UTEP hanging around. You got the win. You got out of there. You finally got a road win in Conference USA play. It's not pretty, but at this point, it's what you need if you're Liberty. And again, learning to win in different manners. As we've noted, we mentioned some of the shortcomings for Liberty, and they're obvious. But I've never been one of the, oh my God, it's time to get rid of Richie McKay people. That, that That's ridiculous and premature. And I understand when you're losing, people lose their minds. I get that. But this is why. You find a way to win, you get guys bought in, and Liberty showed that they're a team that was willing to more than fight like they did, not in a New Mexico State way, of course, but in a good way at UTEP this past weekend, and they were rewarded with a very well-earned victory. Number four. NASCAR. We will touch on this later in the week, but give them credit for moving up the clash at the Coliseum from Sunday to Saturday night, Fox Sports Net or FS1, I guess, is what they're technically supposed to be called now. They had the opening. They already had the time reserved for NASCAR practice. They just slotted the race in in itself. Um, I get it. It's less than ideal for NASCAR to do this on short notice. But you could not have moved the inclement weather around. And when you would have had delays, that would have knocked it out for Sunday, Monday, possibly Tuesday and maybe even Wednesday, you had to do something if you were NASCAR. And for that, they deserve a lot of credit. Um, Get ready for Trey to make fun of me because it might be going overboard, but it almost happened. I thought about you every time he was leading the lap. You know... So, uh, full con- I almost texted you because you didn't pick him, and I was like, "Look at what if he wins this?" And you, it's the one race you didn't pick him. Trey, this hat, this by the way, is going to be a topic of discussion later in the week. But my guy Ty Gibbs, let's just call it what it is, came so close to winning and had another mistake late in the race. The graphic is at Fastlane Edlane on Twitter making fun of this. It was actually a very compelling end. They have the sparks between Gibbs and Logano. Boy, that's going to be a fun one if it continues because NASCAR fans hate both of those drivers. Um, But yeah, I I thought it was a really entertaining race. All things considered, and for NASCAR to pull it off on short notice, it was as impressive as you could have expected. Number three. Women's college basketball yesterday. Virginia Tech goes on the road. They win in overtime at North Carolina, 70-61. It's why you have two superstars, because Georgia Amor stepped up. Um, Tech got enough. They play great defense. And if I'm a Hokie fan, I trust the offense will eventually come in a game like this. But it was Amor who had the big three-pointer in overtime. She had 11 assists. She was effective shooting. Six of eight from the free throw line as well. And Liz Kitley... She had 15 rebounds. She certainly was able to match up with North Carolina and what they were doing inside and at least stymie it enough, and that's the biggest contribution. I'd still like to see Kitley be a little more aggressive in attacking the rim, but you know, it's hard to win these type of games on the road, and for Virginia Tech, I, I give them a lot of credit just the way in which they won. Meanwhile, for Virginia, um, it wasn't the lack of effort that we had seen previously, but this is not a great Clemson team, and it's another one of those you felt like it was a missed opportunity games at John Paul Jones Arena when the Lady Wahoos lost by six. Number two. Men's basketball and specifically the rest of the ACC. Well, we touched on a couple of those games, but most notably we touched on the Virginia and Virginia Tech games from over the weekend. The big one we'll get to in number one. But Georgia Tech at NC State, that's one of those had-to-have-it games for the Wolfpack. It wasn't pretty again. Georgia Tech fights teams, not in a bad way, but they're kind of a scrappy out. 
So I'll take it if I'm NC State. Pitt knocks off Notre Dame. It's, again, another one of those you need to have it because Notre Dame is not a good team. Wake Forest clobbered Syracuse. Is there ever a more paper tiger team than Syracuse right now? Their losses have been just disastrous, especially on the road. 25 plus point losses at North Carolina, Wake Forest, and at Virginia. I mean, I get their five and six in the ACC, but some of those losses are head scratchers. None more so than Florida State at Louisville. Trey, this was the Florida State team that we've been seeing their virtues of. And they give up over 100 points in regulation, no less, to Louisville. All the momentum Florida State had. And uh, yes, they're 6-4 and four in the ACC. This is what you do against Louisville? Meh. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. So yes, the long-term upside of Duke may be greater than North Carolina in terms of raw talent. But I thought the Duke-Carolina game, and frankly the one after it, Tennessee at Kentucky, both showed something, and that is, we know Duke and Kentucky, they're the schools that recruit the highest rated players, but they're almost so freshman dependent, and I was expecting more out of this Duke team in particular, given the volume of returning players like Mitchell and Roach and Filipowski. Carolina bullied them, and yes, Duke was able to take advantage of a Carolina defense that until Saturday had been really good, but Duke 49 in the second half, 84 overall for the game. But Carolina kept them at arm's length. They've got enough offensive weapons. They were extremely aggressive around the rim. And I think it's a Carolina team. I've said it before again and again. I got them at 20-1 to on the future to win the tournament. Uh, Do I think they're the best team in the country? No, but I think they're more than capable with great defense, with good guard play. They're very well-rounded, and they're physical as well. This is a team that they know their identity, and it's why I think they clearly deserve to be viewed as the best team in the ACC, not just record-wise, because they are at 10-1, and but the aggressiveness, particularly with which Armando Baycott continued to attack Kyle Filipowski was something else and extremely impressive for the heels. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return in the Fast Lane, more on the weekend that was Tech UVA and Liberty, you know the deal. When we return here and covering the Commonwealth in the Fast Lane.